Hey, brothers and sisters, people of all ages, we are back. I don't know. I was going for like a, a, a preacher choir thing there, Hambo, and I completely screwed it up. You know, brothers you know and it, sisters. Yeah. I mean, just got to play through sometimes. I, you'll, you'll, you will not blow it on the dismount, my friend. I believe in you. I don't know. Like, I just felt I felt I went wrong, and then I started going back to where I normally know, and, you know, I just got lost in the transition. Regardless, welcome to another fun-filled edition of my Thai Happy Hour. I promise you guys, this time we'll have a 75% less surly handbone, even though I was thoroughly entertained. Possibly Chris Jericho was too. Hambone, how you doing? Yeah, I mean, thankfully it was over the airwaves and not across the squared circle because I've got a broken back as is. I'm doing fine, man. I have survived yet another week in the apocalypse and you have too. And I think that's more than we can ask for. And I'm grateful for that, buddy. I'm I, grateful for I was afraid you were going to say you could take on, take on Chris Jericho because even at 50 no. and even a little fluffy, <laughs> I do not want to. And you might be his height. And I'm not quite sure about that, but you could be. You could be even-sized. I could barely make it up a short flight of stairs oh, buddy. at age 41. I'm not taking my... Listen, a, a high curb could kill me. Let's not let's not push our fate, push luck, and tempt fate. I got I to gotta give props to uh, Uplift Desk. Uh, they're the um, Rise Sit Stand electronic desk I invested in a couple months back. After getting that and getting a, like, I don't know, I got one of those back... Sh- things the mold with your back it's kind of got like the cushion you know like how some mattresses have yeah yeah i got one of those for the back of my chair i have not had back issues since i invested in both of those so great event great investment and uh if anyone's having back problems you know a lot of us haven't been working from work from home for all our lives we don't know what it's like to sit in like not work appropriate desk situations or sitting situations so I don't know. I hope everybody out there is, uh, you know, being good. You know, ergonomics. That's the word I'm going for. Ergonomics. Ergonomics. Anyway, yes. my, ba- my back does not hurt as much anymore, but I have gained eight pounds since this started. Uh, ham bone, ham bone, ham bone. What do we have in store for the kids this week? So this week, we have an action-packed show. This week, I feel like things actually came out for once during the apocalypse. So we are going to kick it off with what everybody's talking about. We're going to talk about Lovecraft Country, which just dropped on HBO. Showtime did it again with another great rock and roll documentary, this time on the Go-Go's. We've definitely got some thoughts on that. In music this week, we have a split. Frank Turner and No Effects, West Coast versus Wessex. I have got a lot of thoughts and feelings on this one. And finally, I'm going to wrap it up. Uh, Netflix just dropped another big budget movie called Project Power. We're going to talk about that a little bit. I am so excited, but the most important thing I need right now is a cocktail. I have been so desperate for good cocktails. I, I literally have just been slamming back little the little bottle. You know, I'm get, working my way through my collection of little airplane bottles of rum. Uh, those mixed with pineapple and mango Tropicana. I've just been like one part of those, fill out the rest of the solo cup with pineapple mango. That has been what I've been doing lately. But Listen, anyway. Buddy, you got to do what you got to do to live your best life. Uh, I found this crazy cocktail on cocktailvultures.wordpress.com it's called the call of cthulhu cocktail now the garnish for this you're going to need a kiwi and you're going to need to keep the zest of your lime so that's going to be very important you want to zest your lime and zest it in a way like you peel an orange uh before you end up squeezing that lime juice out so this is going to be a blended cocktail one ounce of kraken rum now listen kraken rum kraken tentacles Cthulhu, tentacles, 
It's thematic. So make sure you're using the Kraken rum. So an ounce of Kraken rum, an ounce of gold rum. Always recommend the Appleton special Jamaican rum. One ounce of Lemon Heart 151 Demera rum, which, you know, I just want to say, because, I mean, I am uh, over a year sober at this point. So the ship for me has sailed with drinking the Lemon Heart 151. But, guys, you know, you couldn't have got it to the East Coast sooner. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. You missed out. Uh, I, you, crack, you missed your chance with this. Kraken sometimes work. I mean, Kraken's a good spice rum. I will say if I need a spice rum, and that's largely if it's mixed with Coke or something like that, I, I think Kraken is probably my go-to for a spiced rum. Well, here's the thing. Lemon Heart 151, you need one ounce of it as well. You have failed this city. Anyway, a uh, quarter ounce of falernum, a half ounce of maraschino liqueur, a half ounce of blue carousel, three-quarter ounce of that lime that you're going to squeeze into that delicious lime juice, three-quarters of an ounce of grapefruit juice. I will always steer you towards the ruby red for flavor purposes, but you can always use white grapefruit juice or whatever you got. Three-quarters ounce of orange juice. If you're going to be juicing a lime, why not juice a fresh orange? Three-quarter ounces of pineapple juice. Don't put yourself through that hell. Get it from the can. You're going to want to use two dashes of bitters and an eighth of a teaspoon of Strega liqueur and a cup of crushed ice. You're going to drop it in a blender. You're going to blend it for five seconds. Pour it unstrained into a mug or a chimney glass to which you're going to add a little more crushed ice to that. Sprinkle the surface of the cocktail with a half teaspoon of brine and that's going to be a thing that I'm not going to even get into to teach you how to make at this point. So maybe the, instead— Wait, wait. i got to ask the question. Is that the same brine as in Brine and Bastards? It's a very different brine. I was going to get them for gimmick infringement, but I would just say make your life simple. Just rim it with salt like you would a margarita. And then you are going to take the kiwi— uh, uh, or actually take a slice of star fruit, cut it into the shape of a star, put it on a big old stick, and make tentacles carved from the lime shell. The Call of Cthulhu cocktail, I just taught you how to make it. Go have fun with it. Yeah, I am uh, I'm, I'm in for this. I'm ready for this. But I'm also, uh, look, I went into this series cold. I knew, I mean, look, it was called Lovecraft Country. I figured it would be something that involved uh, Lovecraft. I mean, the the famous horror writer from the late 1800s, early 1900s. I just did not know what to expect because I knew this show was going to take place in the 1950s. And I'm like, well, that's well after the stories of, of Lovecraft took place. But I was just, you know, that's about all I knew. That's all I knew. And I'm like... Let's do this. If it's as good as Perry Mason, it's following up Perry Mason. I'm ready for it. And 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 they gave it its all hand bone. Do you want to set us up? So first off, I would be shocked if y'all didn't know H.P. Lovecraft was an absolute racist and an anti-Semite. The two are not mutually exclusive. He was a hateful, bigoted man, and he has an outsized legacy because people attribute anything that is related to cosmic horror to H.P. Lovecraft. So a lot of people, rightfully so, have a problem with this dead old racist getting a lot of accolades for things. Wait, are we, and the we things know that he's, he's racist? Oh, yeah. I, there, listen, I, I, this is what I, all I'm going to say. And we, there are words that we cannot, should not, and will not ever use on this program. Um, words that he named his cat. And if you Google H, what was the name of H.P. Oh. Lovecraft's cat? <laughs> there is no doubt that this dude was not a nice person. So, you know, there has been 
a lot of work done. There's been a lot of, like, I would say, progress made uh, in the communities that support things like cosmic horror to, like, you can't in so many ways distance yourself from the person who essentially created the genre, even though many have done it better after him. However, you can recognize the inherent racism of the works that he has done and then just, you know, it's the, it's the salad bar. You just you, you take the parts you want and you, you kind of go go the direction you're going to go with it. So, you know, Lovecraft to say H.P. Lovecraft was problematic is an understatement. And that said, you know, a lot of people have been taking the ideas from Lovecraft and things that he's in, in his works and have brought them into the world that we live in now where, you know, we're not going to write those problematic stories anymore. We're not going to, we're not going to, you know, treat people the way that he would have treated people as lesser in his stories. And in turn, create some pretty neat stuff like Lovecraft country. Um, Lovecraft country is the story uh, of a young African American who's traveling across the United States in the 1950s in search of his missing father. And now he is doing it uh, with his uncle, who is a man who writes a travel journal for other African Americans so they know where not to go in the United States, places where you know they won't be welcome, places where uh, there would be sundown towns, and sundown towns, uh, you, you find out in this episode, the episode is actually called Sundown, which is the premiere, is a town where after the sundown, the cops would pretty much do what they want, including killing African Americans. So it's like a real bad scene. So this guy's travel journal is a way to be like, oh, you know, like in the early 2000s, we had like, tour guides for bands and tourists be like, yeah, you don't want to play that town. You especially don't want to play that venue because you might have some trouble. So this is like the green room, kind of, you like don't, the green room. Exactly. You don't want to end up in the green room, that kind of green room anyway. So that's kind of where the adventure starts. Now the main character, I mean, this, this whole fucking thing is amazing. His name is Atticus Freeman. He is a science fiction and pulp junkie uh pulp detective kind of stories pulp sci-fi uh he he's a voracious reader and the beginning of the episode starts out where he's having a dream where he is in you know he is a veteran has now returned from the war where he is still in the war and he's fighting the nazis and then the next thing you know aliens are coming down then cthulhu appears and jackie robinson is fighting cthulhu and he meets like an an alien and he like they make out and stuff <laughs> you're scaring it, people away right now i'd be no but, but it's it's like a fever dream it's how the episode starts yeah. and right off the bat they don't shy away from the weird and they also don't shy away from the fact that like you know later in the episode he does come across one of hp lovecraft's books and they have a, a quick discussion about it, him and his uncle and it kind of like lets you know that they acknowledge the past racism and the issues that were with Lovecraft and that they're kind of going in this direction, which is if you can see my hands, it's waving in the other direction. So it's definitely a very intense hour of television. Yeah. I loved it. I love the fact that, you know, they, regardless of what HP Lovecraft was, I mean, I think it is, a, there's heavy irony that this is a, this is largely a, a black sci-fi novel drama, uh, you know, 
created, you know, based on loosely on stories of, of a racist. And, you know, there, I think at the time, I think it's safe to say at the time when people were writing books, it was harder to know what the creator was um, unless they were actively writing racist things. You know, I mean, it isn't like the internet now where if someone goes on Twitter and, and rambles about horrible things, you know, instantly, I think back then, especially if you lived on the opposite side of the country, it wasn't as apparent if someone, you know, shared horrible points of view. Um, um, I feel H.P. Lovecraft um, in general, I don't know much about him. I do know that a lot of the the writers I love, like Stephen King, were inspired by him, more at least his stories, less him as an author. And I have tried, I think we may have talked about this when we talked about Color of Space. Remember, we covered that right. earlier this year, back when there were still horror movies being produced. Uh, I've been trying to get through the H.P. Lovecraft anthology, and it is tough because his stuff is weird. His stuff can go really weird. He can also pretty much help create the zombie genre with with Reanimator and and similar type uh, stories. But his stuff can go weird fiction, and that's why I was a little concerned with this because I'm like, this could be very entertaining. I always judge it. I, my anchor is Allison. Like, will Allison like this? Will Allison not like this? And I knew this could be horror because H.P. Lovecraft was very much a horror writer. Also knew it could be sci-fi, much like the very beginning of the show. We saw that crazy fever dream. But I didn't know what the horror would look like. And they did a good job holding the horror until the last, like, 10 minutes of the show. It was so good. Uh, quick aside, there is an exact quote from the show I'm going to read you. Matt Ruff is the man who wrote the novel Lovecraft Country. This is actually based on a novel. Shockingly, it's based on a novel and not a comic book. How modern for 2020. Uh, the actual quote is from Uncle George to Atticus Freeman, and it is, But stories are like people, Atticus. Loving them doesn't make them perfect. You try to cherish their virtues and overlook their flaws. The flaws are still there, though. And that's that's kind of the way that they're doing their take on acknowledging Lovecraft through all this. The sci-fi that they made you wait to the end for was so good. Yeah, and I would say it's even more horror than sci-fi because the gore, yeah. the gore was insane. Whoa. Yes. I don't even, I, I'm like, I'm at a point now, like, I'm, I, I, we've talked about this on past episodes, George, where I'm like, there's some days when I just can't take gore anymore. And I used to love watching gory stuff. And then there's some days where I am all into that gore. It must be hitting me the right way this month. Maybe it's because I've decided that, fuck it, it's August. There's no rules left in 2020. Halloween season starts now, and I've been <laughs> watching horror movies. But, man, they perfectly balance horror, the ideas of, like, pulp and mystery, mm -hmm. and a little baby bit of sci-fi. And this is just the first episode. Like, my my big takeaway from this was, I mean, they had, besides having a fantastic cast, uh, especially Journey Smollett, who plays uh, Letitia Lewis, like, such a good cast in this. Like, I sat there at the end of the episode, and I'm like, all right. I watched it, and I, it was like 1 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, do I watch this again? Because in all honesty... Had this been available for me to watch the entire series, I just would not have gone to sleep until 10 a.m. the next day. Mm -hmm. And I was okay with that decision. I actually like that they're making me wait a week because I get to kind of like chew on it a little bit. I get to like process it a little bit and just kind of, you know, 
And much like enjoy it, and much like uh, Perry Mason is an early review. We will probably talk about this as it gets better a little bit as sidebars, but we will have a full wrap up of this show when the season's over. It looks like it's gonna be eight episodes, it's gonna run about the same amount of length as Perry Mason did. Uh, I will say that we haven't even seen Michael K. Williams yet, everybody's favorite Omar Little from The Wire. So get excited, he's in this. He was also Grand Boardwalk Empire. I'm he's good in everything he's I'm, in. I'm so sorry. I mean, he plays the same part in everything he does, but it's just so he's so badass. He's so great, and I can't wait to see what part he plays. Um, I found, I found a like. I'll be honest. I found a little bit jarring watching this when there was, you know, there's a, a particular chase sequence that is, you know, very very racist. They go to the wrong town, eat at the wrong place, and they are hunted down like animals by these. I don't know, just horrible white people and they are fleeing and there is a weird moment where he like somehow the main character uh pages some ghost car that appears and runs the bad guy the you know the, the it's a mystery uh, yeah i know i'm just that's when i realized oh this is gonna be weird this is lovecraft this is definitely lovecraftian i believe is the word used and i am you know very curious to see how they do it i think I just love everything about it. I'm very intrigued. I'm very curious to see where they go. Um, look, I love the fact that this show is definitely made before the Black Lives Matter movement. So this isn't HBO trying to cash in on something. This is very much something they were working yeah. towards. And I appreciate that too because I do feel there is you know, a lot of – you know, I look, I know how the corporate structure works and sometimes there's a rush to not cash in, but like, oh, we need to, we need to do this. We need to work this in. We want to do what's right, but we're going to shoehorn it a little too hard. In this case, no, this had to have been the, the level of <laughs> the quality of this. There's no way this thing hasn't been like taped a year plus out. There's a lot of great special effects, a lot of great sets. And, and, you know, all the pieces are from the fifties. Uh, you know, all the cars, everything that, that Wagoneer hand bone, I was looking at that was the nicest, the Wagoneer is amazing. Nicest Wagoneer I've seen. And it is very, it is amazing. Cause besides get out, there just has been, and other than really corny stuff like tales from the hood, there isn't a lot of black horror and definitely not much black sci-fi. And please correct me if I'm wrong. I know you're a lot more into sci-fi than I am, but there really isn't black sci-fi out there. No, not like, not like this, not on this level. The book, Lovecraft Country came out in 2016, so this has been in development for a little bit. The book, the book was big. People are really psyched on this, so this is not something that he just pulled out of thin air. I can't promise that everyone will like this show because, mm -hmm. to I be agree. completely honest with you, there are a lot of themes that are a little all over the place. What I can guarantee is that if you at least watch this episode, that car chase scene will have your heart in your throat the entire time it is one of the best paced most harrowing car chase scenes i've ever seen watching movies since i was a small child like so if you if you only watch one episode the begin don't let the beginning put you off because it's so weird trust me when i say that car chase scene is worth it it's kind of like when we watch that one one shot fight scene in Daredevil or that one long scene in uh, The Haunting at Hill House where the camera just goes and doesn't stop and doesn't break. It does break in this because it, obviously it's a car chase. They do have to go back and forth. But that harrowing feeling, that really ominous feeling that you have in your chest when you're watching something like that where it just keeps going and going and going 
it is definitely worth the watch just for that, just for that experience. Agreed. Uh, definitely worth checking out. I guess not for everyone. If you don't like horror, uh, there's definitely a lot of gore in this. And if you don't love sci-fi, it's, it's a little weird. And HP Lovecraft was weird. So I, I, but, but ignoring all that great acting, interesting story, engaging, it moves very quickly. The only thing I couldn't figure out, and maybe I missed it, neither me or Allison caught it. How did the girl, the lady get into the car? Like, how did she get latched in with them? I don't remember the line or the scene where she's like, oh, oh I'm going to follow you guys along. I missed that. So she, you didn't actually, her sister was like, you can stay here for two days. You got to figure something out. Uh, when she got back to Chicago, uh, when Letty got back to Chicago. And so they didn't really address it. She kind of like went home that night and had to figure something out. And she came back the next day and they were like, oh, she's actually going to join you. Like like a deal was worked out. And it was kind of very off camera, but it really doesn't. It, doesn't, it was it, doesn't it was weird. Affect the story. I found it a little strange. I was like, "How did she end up just getting joining up with them to go on a cross country adventure?" Well, she said. She she said like you know it, it was mentioned. The brother was mentioned. The brother that they she ended up going to the house at the end of the car chase. Like, yeah. um, it was mentioned that you know maybe you should go stay with him, and then it was just decided that she was going to go with the family. I mean, it it does not really affect the story, but I I get. Uh, yeah, I get how it's easy to miss. It was it was a little bit. I like I blinked and and it happened. I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, Lovecraft Country. It's on HBO, HBO Max right now. Definitely check it out. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to see DC die, but if the money's going to more stuff like this, I'm not complaining too much either. Just saying. <laughs> uh, let's call in our buddy Josh Goldfarb. Uh, we're next uh, segment's gonna be about the Go Go's, the new Go Go documentary, and I feel like he is the quintessential go-go's fan he may or may not have also slept with belinda carlisle so let's sure, call, i don't think that's let's, true let's, think, let's let's call him up <laughs> i mean i wish for him but no i don't think that's true you silly guy hello hi josh welcome to the show how are you doing sir living that quarantine life man dude that's living that quarantine life that's all that's what it's all about that's what i got five weeks of vacation to kill and i don't even know how to go about doing it uh <laughs> It's been it's been weeks, Josh. Uh, we we finally have a new setup where we can do. Uh, we have a soundboard that actually does calls. So pl- with double calls. Like the whole problem was double calls because we have Hambone's remote and your remote, and I'm sitting here in the basement that just is disgusting. So I have no reason to clean it anymore because no one comes over for wrestling. But, you know, pride. Pride's a good reason. Dude, pride doesn't mean shit when it comes to cleaning. <laughs> pride, eat me. Uh, wow! But we look. We are doing a segment on the Go Go's. We all took your recommendation. We watched the Go Go's documentary. I think it's We Got the Beat. If not, it should be called We Got the Beat. It's uh, just called the Go Go's. Uh, I think movie. it honestly might. I swear, it might be called just like the Go Go's documentary. I, I don't even know what it's called. God damn it! It should be called We Got the Beat. Regardless, it might be. Regardless, it's not. great documentary on Showtime. We have raved about Showtime documentaries on here. Uh, Josh, if you're cleaning, please stop cleaning. We hear you putting away your dishes. I'm literally just finishing up now. I am done. That's good. Cause I will call you out. Like I do. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe Matt Giaquinto. I do that occasionally. Anywho, the go-go's you, as far as long as I can remember going to your house as a young kid, you always had a Belinda Carlisle framed autographed photo on your wall that just said, Josh, dear God, it's big. I love you, Belinda Carlisle. And, and and I was so amazed by that that I um you know I figured you would be the perfect person because clearly you know things. You had access to the Go Go's we did not have. 
I mean, why would you talk um, about his goiter like that? She did, not me. <laughs> she was very mean, yeah. It, it was hurtful. But anyway, how did you, did you ever get to meet the Go-Go's? Um, I didn't, mm-hmm. I, I got to see oh, them twice. Oh, so oh, oh. very happy about that. Go what? ahead. Just saying. Well, I got to see them twice. I was very excited about that. One was like, because my sister won like a radio column thing uh, to see them at like a club in New York in like, I don't know, like 99. Um, and then I saw them in Central Park um, and they, they were great. They're amazing live. And then I did not get to meet the Go-Go's, but I did get to see Belinda Carlisle at BB Kings in Times Square, rest in power, uh, where I got to meet Belinda Carlisle backstage and had her sign my Stiff Records, We Got to Beat 45, at which point she said, I don't have one of these. And my response was, I own two. And that was a very awkward look that I got. And then you gave it to her in exchange for... Her autograph. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, Obviously. I, I wasn't even that slick, man. I was, I was starstruck. Uh, this is, I mean, you had the same experience with Didi Ramon once, right? Too, didn't you? Like, pull out one of his <laughs> yeah. rap seven inches. Yes, Josh I also about his crushes. Yeah, I also met Didi Ramon at a signing, and I gave him a Didi Ramon the Chinese Dragons forty-five, and his response once again was, "Where did you get this?" I don't even have one. And then called his girlfriend over to look at it, and it's not a good album. It's, <laughs> it's not good. Uh, Josh, it's always a pleasure to have you on. So we both watched this documentary last night. I thoroughly enjoyed it, at least you know 90% of it, until they clearly did what everybody else does, and Hambone will get into it later. You know, the, We'll gloss over, over the last 20 years of her career and mostly focus on our origin story. But... Mm-hmm. I got to say, I knew very little about the, the Go-Go's. Um, I always used to confuse them with the Runaways because I'm a horrible person like that. But what attracted you to the Go-Go's? Did you enjoy this show? Did you enjoy the movie? Talk to us, Josh. Um, I thought the movie was really good. <clears throat> now, I'm a, I'm a big fan of this band, so there wasn't much in there that I, was go- that I learned. But I also went into it knowing I'm probably not going to learn anything new in this, Let's just go watch it and see how they do it. Uh, I was kind of expecting it to just kind of be like a feature-length version of um, like the old behind-the-music stuff. And I was really pleasantly surprised at how much time the documentary focused on their formation and early years. Like 50% of the documentary is before they even become popular. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really rare for document for music documentaries to deal with, although Showtime definitely does it well. So it's great to see that, yeah, they were part of the punk scene in L.A. briefly, but really were just kind of punk adjacent and took the style of that and just turned it into this perfect pop, this perfect pop album, you know? And I thought they, the, the time that they spent on that and the, the, the um, how they didn't rush all that, I thought was wonderful. No. And then, you know, it got kind of, money gets involved, and they don't like each other, but like every other. Yeah, I mean, every other behind the music. I, I will tell yeah. you this. So I, I did not know much about the Go-Go's. I actually listened to their first album today for the first time in its entirety because of the documentary. My whole thing was they spent so much time on the punk rock stuff. I was always hoping 
that the sound, like I loved what I was hearing, like all the stuff they were playing at the mask and and then the maybe mm-hmm. the Roxy wherever they were. I loved hearing those songs. I'm like, oh, is this what their first album sounds like? And it's just they were one of those bands that started in like 77, 78, but didn't record their first album till like 81. So they completely never put any of that, at least as far as I know. You probably have some weird B sides <laughs> and whatnot, but like none of those. I'd love to hear all those songs done like they were done in their punk rock era. Right. Well, I, I do disagree with you, but I understand what you're saying. Their first album, um, the music is super up-tempo and poppy and happy-sounding, and that really disguises kind of like the subtly, subtly dark undertone of the album. It, a lot of the songs were written in a minor key, and they have this, this, there is this kind of like darkness to them that on first listen, you're not going to notice. Um but yeah, none of those are from those early days of the mask and stuff like that. Yeah, they did release all that stuff, but um, that was at like a like a greatest hits compilation that came out in like '97 or something like that. Hambo- you hear all those like live recordings. Hambone, I can't help but listen to that stuff and be like, oh my god, they sound like X. This is so weird, and that is kind of what they sounded like when they first started out. Um, Hambo, what are your thoughts on the documentary? You know, I really loved it. I will tell you, for me, if I could sum up the '80s, it would be. Elvira, it would be Tiffany Amberthies and it would be Belinda Carlisle, like the three women I had the biggest crushes on growing up in the 80s. Like, I still have a crush on Belinda Carlisle. Like, to this day, like, I, I, get, I blush just thinking about it because she is awesome. I loved the Go-Go's when I was young. I mean, how could you not? I mean, it was like everywhere. And it was very surprising, like, when you're younger and you find out that this group used to be a punk band because... You kind of when when someone says it to you for the first time, like no, like Google's couldn't have been a punk band. Like, but then you like listen to the music and you're like, yeah, I could see that. Uh, I knew this documentary going in was going to be like a real history of the band, and knowing that it was a Showtime, the minute like the Showtime logo comes up for like rock documentaries, I'm easing back in my seat and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a good watch because mm-hmm. I know they're not going to yep. steer me wrong. Uh, I loved all the early stuff about the formation of the band when they were like a punk band. I loved, I love all that like kind of behind the scenes stuff where like, you know, you could see the band coming up and kind of really coming into their own as the first like really majorly successful all female rock band. Like they've never been top. In the end of the, epi- end of the movie, you find out they've sold like 7 million records worldwide and they're the first all girl band to write their own songs, play their own instruments, making it to number one. It's never been replicated. It's never been duplicated. And the fact that they didn't have someone like Kim Foley behind them, like the runaways did kind of pulling the strings behind the scenes. Like it, it really is a testament to the band as a whole. They, so I love the movie. They threw I some lo- shade at the runaways. There was no way oh, you could ignore that. Well, yeah, 100%, because if you are the real deal, and and not taking anything away from the Runaways, but there is a difference between a legitimate all-girl band writing their own songs, playing their own instruments, and working their way up the chart. Like, they even had a woman as a manager. Like, it wasn't like Kim Foley probably doing some shady stuff to a bunch of teen girls behind the scenes and kind of exploiting them to get whatever he needs to get out of it. Yes, we got Joan Jett out of the deal. Yes, we got Lita Ford out of the deal. But like, you know, it could not have been all above board. Anyway, the documentary is great. The music, it's always good too when you're watching a documentary for a band that you enjoy and especially a band that you know has really good songs because the background and the soundtrack of this is stellar. 
Now, all of that being said, they do a great job of building up the story from like, you know, ex-members of the band and the direction the band took to Charlotte Caffey's heroin addiction, Gina Shock needing work done on her heart, like really building up to the point where the band was going to break up and then the band does break up. And then you start to hear a little bit about like Belinda Carlisle's solo and what she did after and what the other women in the band have done after. However, I'm watching this and it's going great. I'm like, oh man, this is great. And then I remember it's like only like an hour and 40 minutes and I have to use the bathroom. So I, I hit pause and at this point, I know it's got to be like close to like like 1990-something in, in the story. And I was like, oh, I was like, I wonder how much time is left in this movie because like they're, half the, they're about to get back together. And I look and I had, it's like nine minutes left of this movie. They went home with the <laughs> final act of the Go-Go's in this documentary faster than I have ever seen in any – and I've seen a lot of rock docs – Faster than I've ever seen in any rock doc where I'm like, okay, so they're going to gloss over a whole bunch of stuff that brought them back to being a band again because they have nine minutes left in this documentary and they bang through it. A little too fast, a little too fast, a little too fast, a little too fast. I mean, like, granted, I'm sure that now knowing that there was like a lawsuit and a bunch of other stuff, I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that they can't legally talk about, but they they do deal with a lot of heavy emotions between the members of the band. And I was thinking, okay, so we are going to understand a little bit more about the reconciliation between these women, but no, they just boom. All right. And we got back together and now it's great. We're the go-go's we got the beat. Like where the fuck did that come from? Honestly, um, I don't disagree with you, but I didn't mind that because what would that story be? Then we got back together and, like, what else are they going to say? They got back together. I know. But yeah, but I mean, like, you could, you, know, you, could, you, like, could, you could squeeze, like, five more minutes out to kind of, like, there was a lot of heavy stuff leading to that point. They're like, yeah, and then we got over and got back together. It's like, when the fuck did that happen? Like, <laughs> how does that happen? Yeah. I mean, look how much work it took to get the Misfits and even in the same room together. What was it, you know, what was the recording process like for, for God Save the Go-Go's? I think that was the name of that album. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you guys had this much trouble with who was writing who and who was getting paid for what, was this one any different? Like who was involved? And I, I did want to hear a little bit more. I also do have a hundred, like uh, my, my hour and a half hard stop is usually pretty good for documentaries, except for Showtime, which I always feel like I want more. It was kind of yeah. like the, the Beastie Boys documentary was the same way. Now that was a stand up spoken word. Like it was, you know, kind of a, it, it was almost like they, they performed it on stage, but I felt like they glossed over the last two albums on that too. It was like, come on. I mean, I know a lot of your like, look, I, I guess I do not. If I'm watching a, a documentary about bad religion and the book comes out today, I can't wait to listen to it or whatever means I read it because I don't fuck. I'm not in a car for two hours every day anymore. Uh, but like, I, I yeah, I don't want them to spend an hour on New America. I get it, but like, I do like hearing, especially the stuff that cl I'm closer to now. I, I would like to hear stories behind those two. Yeah, so it was a near it's a near perfect documentary. I needed like about five more minutes of reconciliation. So Josh, I get to deal with that, yeah. Josh, you need to go on um you need to go on YouTube when you get off this phone. And everybody else should do this too. I 
you know, as soon as I saw this, I had to start, you know, YouTube. I start deep diving in YouTube and immediately want to see uh, Heaven is a Place on Earth, the video. And it's as awkward and weird <laughs> as I remember it being. Those, it's so creepy. It's so creepy and weird. Uh, and yes, I was madly in love with Belinda Carlisle at the time, too. I felt like she was like, that is the girl you could bring home to your parents. And yeah, but that's also the girl that you could have a really fucking time, a great time with. Because you would know. Anyhow, um, George, <laughs> yes, absolutely, hundred percent. Josh pays me very well for all this. I'm literally his <laughs> ultimate cheerleader. Like there is no bigger cheerleader than me, Twitter Josh. Josh, that's true. I owe him for so much. Anyhow, um, where was I going with this? I was saying, okay, so I, I started watching Heaven Is a Place on Earth, and I was like, oh, I wonder what that song was like live. And of course, the only live versions I could find of that song are very tracked. It's just for some reason, and it's probably because at the time, most like TV shows and live shows were, I think they just overdubbed the album on them. I couldn't find like a good live performance until the newer stuff. And I found a performance of hers from 2019 in Germany, I believe, or some Scandinavian country. I don't know, but the entire audience is seated wearing flower crowns like straight out of uh what's that movie hambone the one with the flower crowns help midsummer me. midsummer never watch again. fucked up teeth reading the lyrics off like religious pamphlet books and it is the str- it's all white blonde haired white people and it is the oddest thing i've ever seen she it's almost like where artists go to die like if you hit that point you should have retired before then because this is a bad place to be but it's on youtube if you look up like linda carlisle heaven is a place on earth live it came up pretty high i found it pretty it was like one of the first 2019 performances i found and it is it's in germany and it is the weirdest thing you will ever see in your life uh, well, I don't know if I want to see this. No, you need yeah. to. You I'm, need no, to. I'm going to see it. I just don't know if I want to. Yeah, and, and it, it was it was amazing. And I just kept thinking of the poster for Midsummer, which is the girl with the crown, the flower crown. I'm like, oh my god! And they're all looking at each other and smiling. And they all have fucked up teeth. I don't know why, but everyone does, and they're all smiling and like they're reading the songs out of this like lyric book. And it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah, and bone. it's like they had they have like prayer hymnals, like the girl in the Midsummer poster. I cry afterwards because it was fucking terrible i will say one thing that they did acknowledge i mean if you want to check out a wild go-go's video one thing that they did acknowledge in the documentary was they did saturday night live and they had been day drinking all day and they showed up to do this performance wasted so if you really want to see like the the real fine line between punk rock go-go's and you know our lips are sealed era go-go's Watch this Saturday Night Live performance. They bang through the song in like they're all on trucker speed, wasted, and it is amazing. And they didn't have the rights to show that too. So I mean, that's I think why I went on YouTube because I that I was like, oh god, they didn't show anything. Makes sense. I was wondering why they didn't show that. They probably didn't have the rights to it. I'm sure yeah. that was like an NBC yeah. or whatever channel that's on. Probably just wasn't going to give the Showtime access to the footage uh though i thought there'd be like a photo or something there was nothing but they did talk about it so that was why when saw it no they played like a a 12 13 second clip of it like that looked like it was shot off of youtube no they Uh, did we we got the beat on saturday night live oh yeah they played like 10 12 seconds of it i don't remember this at all but i will not argue on it because i was tired but I don't remember that. Anywho, uh, I also was shocked to find out that they were not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you had, yeah, t- and they really should be. Did you know they weren't in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Josh? 
Um, yeah, I did know that. And it's, that's ridiculous. For a, they, for that first album alone, they really should. For their accomplishment being the first and only all-girl band who wrote all their own songs and went to number one. No other band has done that. And, and they've had consistent singles afterwards too. I mean, it's not like yeah. it's not like they just they had, had three successful albums. Yeah, That's more than most bands. Yeah, and it's hugely influential. They hit all the mm-hmm. right. They hit all the right things. I mean, you know, they kind of alluded to it in the in the movie is, is because they pissed off Jan at Rolling Stone, who pretty much runs yeah. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Who knows? But that was a little bit shocking. So everybody out there, the Go Go's are ever uh, are ever nominated. Go go vote, even though. That doesn't mean anything either because we saw Captain Dave Matthews this year. So there's well, you that. Know, they couldn't make it in because they had to make room for Shaka Khan a second time. Yep. Third time. That, that was their third time. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yep. So there's that. Anyway, Josh, we thank you as always for joining the show. Let us know if you ever want to come on again. God knows we're always stretched for topics because that's the world. Because <laughs> we're going to run out of movies. We're going to run out of movies very soon. Hey. This is a good week. A lot of stuff came out this week, but this is like the exception. Our not the horror role. episode for Halloween is going to be three movies. I am making a list. It's going to be fine. Just, no, you can't, okay. you can't reach back. We've already done the top movies of all time. Like we have nothing. It's literally, it's, it's the invisible man. It is that movie. We just saw the host or host. And I can't even remember anything. A lot well, of here, stuff actually. I'm going to give a little homework to our listeners out there. Can I give a little homework? Do you guys mind? Go ahead. So in the spirit of like actually knowing a little bit ahead of time of what I'm going to watch and what I have watched, you know, next week, one of the things I'm going to talk about is, uh, um, we, uh, we, I I know I fucking forgot that I got so excited. I forgot the name of it, but if you go on to Netflix on Netflix, um, their movie we uh summon the darkness with alexandra diodario is awesome it's about the satanic panic it is 2019 it finally got released it was talked about you know movies don't come out when they're supposed to come out but finally got released it is awesome i watched it today while i was having breakfast and it is going to be one of my contenders for a solid horror-ish movie for 2020 oh uh, we'll go uh, that'll be my homework what's it called again we summon the darkness. I'm going to be watching that. It it like just dropped today on Netflix. So obviously okay. I saw it first. But hey, Josh, uh, one more thing before we let you go. Next time you run into someone famous and they're like, I don't even have one of these. Just, just give them the fucking record. Yeah, but then I wouldn't have it. You said you had two. You did say you had two. You told Belinda Carly you had two. Yeah, but like, what am I going to do? Have her sign the one and have her keep it? No, you I asked, asked you, for her, her phone I number. Should have asked for her address. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah. so many things you could have done, Josh. So many ways you did it wrong, Josh. But that, you know, that's, <laughs> starstruck. I didn't know what to do. Hey, Josh, have you listened to the new Frank Turner No Effects album yet? I have not. Is it good? No, oh, no. You can go. We're gonna. You got to listen to the episode now. You go, go. Have, have a nice day, Josh. You have a lovely evening. Goodbye. <laughs> bye, bye, Josh. Thanks. So anyway, huh. well, uh, clearly phone calls work nicely on here. I mean, I'm glad with that, how that turned out. We're happy. Hey, Road, we love your products. Yeah. Thanks to the Roadcaster. We yeah. love using it. Anywho, uh, next topic will be No Effects and uh, and Frank Tur- versus Frank Turner. I haven't loved a. I mean, I think they were called. I don't know if those BYO or was that uh, 
through Fat Records. The, the, the you know they're doing the splits comps for a while, and the Rancid No Effects one's the last one I remember really loving. And it came out years ago, maybe twenty years now. But that was oh yeah, I, I feel while, like that man. was BYO was used to do the versus splits, but that seems odd that Rancid No Effects would be on a BYO uh, album and not on a Fat Records album. But you know, while we're dis- discussing that, I could probably figure that out. But you know, Fat Records, and I feel like we just review Fat Records albums. I was trying to avoid it. I was trying to do a Mr. T Experience album, but it turned out the one that came out was a Greatest Hits. Yeah, and, and it's the Mr. T Experience who I don't know how they have a Greatest Hits. Regardless. Uh, well, we, I will say this: mm-hmm. the Mr. T experience. I enjoyed them. I used to like love watching them play live. And the best part about being a band play live is that you hear the ten or so best songs that they have. So I don't ever really feel like I loved a full Mr. T experience record. However, this new one, Mr. T experience forever, is a greatest hits, and it has twenty of their greatest hits. So it's kind of like Weasel Mania from Screeching Weasel where I don't really feel like I fully loved a Screeching Weasel album either, but here are their like 20 best songs and I would just put it on and listen to it from start to finish. So if you like the Mr. T Experience, you get all their best songs on one album, Mr. T Experience Forever, and that's Handbone's Review. And See you, what I just said there, And you just Magic. stalled me just enough time to say that No Effects and Rancid were BYO split number three. So yeah, that you're welcome. Very, very interesting to see how uh, how this comes full circle. This is not BYO. Uh, I don't even well, know if the other youth organization is still around anymore. I don't think so. Let me ask you this though: On that split, did they fully cover the other band's song, yes. or was it just okay? It was, that's cool. It was either five or six songs. You know, you've never heard that album. I, dude, it's been so fucking long. And honestly, any other time anyone did a split, it was always like, we'll cover one of your songs, but then we're going to put some new ones of ours. Oh, like, no. This is actually yeah. one of the best split cover albums ever. It's 12 songs, uh, six and six. And just to hear uh, Fat Mike trying to do Olympia Washington, I believe, he starts doing the bass on it, and then he just like, you just hear him just stop trying to do matt freeman's bass on it like you just hear him dumb it out very quickly but uh fantastic they both did that's one of the best cover things ever i'd definitely go check it out on what these are called but um if you can find it i'm sure it's still on i mean i think i just found it on spotify so rancid and no effects hambo and i recommend it to you as well but this is frank turner versus no effects versus i am not familiar with frank turner other than i know he's a singer songwriter i believe he's the lead singer of some big band like the mezzingers or something i don't know uh he's not he's not the singer of any like somewhat famous like band like hot water music or something no he's i mean like frank turner's huge he's I, not the singer of a band i'm completely flat out flabbergasted now well i don't know what band he's the singer but he's not the singer of like a major band where you're like oh my god he should like why is he taking time to tour for himself he's not singing for that band he's not like that level where it's like that band is like oh my god like this is he's really taking some time away to do his like little solo project like frank turner is a fantastic solo artist i'm not the biggest frank turner fan however anyone who i know who likes frank turner doesn't like frank turner they love him passionately no obsessed he get, he falls i mean he is like chuck reagan he falls into that category of singer songwriter even though chuck reagan is the singer of a major band but regardless uh well that's what i mean like hot water music like you know you're like oh my god hot water music is like the band like that is his solo project it's not like whatever band that frank turner sings for is kind of like frank turner's like side project 
No, I completely agree. I also know him largely as like not being the same person as that other asshole who also does singer songwriting, who is like now like kind of a creepazoid. I'm blanking on his name as well, but he was famous around the same time. Please help me. Pull me out. Pull me. Come on. Cast the the, the, the rope and get me out of this. I'm Ambo. going into my mind castle. What was, what was Who's the one who in? just got called out for being like kind of rapey? I'm blanking I on mean, his dude, name. It's 2020. That could be anybody. Oh, God point. damn it. Are you just like. Uh, look, at they, they're, they're, it's a broad playing field at this point. You um, are the smart one with the endless knowledge of, of I everything. Know, dude, a lot of people have done some very bad things, so it's hard to keep up. Fine. Fine. Go ahead. Anyway, um, this split is awesome. This split is like, you know, I think no effects in a lot of ways are underrated as songwriters. No effects writes some very amazing songs. Now, whether you like the execution of those songs is up for debate and that's a personal preference. However, I don't think anyone could really deny that no effects doesn't know how to write a goddamn catchy song. Mm -hmm. Frank Turner no matter how you feel about him, knows how to write a really good song, like a really good, like folksy, roxy, kind of punky folk song and do it in a way where it kind of feels like in some ways traditional style, but like still kind of keeps that one toe in the rock and roll world. So it's interesting how you get a record like this to go over because you've got no effects taking that no effects sound and kind of, morphing it to play really kind of rootsy style music like Frank Turner does, but still kind of know how to, you know, pull back a little bit and put that no effects flavor in there. And then you've got like, you know, Frank Turner going in and, you know, he starts with scavenger type, which is good, but then he does a cover of Bob, like spent 15 years getting loaded, 15 years till his liver exploded, Bob. And like he brings such a gravitas to this song <laughs> and to everything he does where you really see how good of songwriters no effects are because he is not trying to play these songs like no effects. He's playing Bob like Frank Turner would play Bob, even like Perfect Government, which to me is the best song on this split. And it is, I'm going to say, my favorite no effects song. He like blows the fucking doors off this thing. Like, I just didn't even know what to do. Like, you're like, oh, you should go and listen to this. And I'm like, God, I wonder what fucking Frank Turner's going to sound like playing no effects. I put it on and I text you within 10 minutes. I'm like, this is the best thing I've heard in a long time. Make sure you listen to it. And don't just tell me to listen to it. And then kind of like, you'll get to it and you'll like it. Like, you're going to love this. I think everyone's going to love this record. Uh, so uh, things we need to backtrack on. Frank Turner, not the singer in any band. Just putting it out there. I don't know who I confused him with and what other guy. I mean, it's not Tim Barry from Avail. There's someone out there who, I, oh, David House. Tell me he's the singer of some band. Please. Dave, Dave House was the singer of The Loved Ones. That's it. Okay. I knew there was like, uh, I get them all confused. Once they pick up the acoustic guitar, I get lost sometimes. They all start sounding the same, except for Ryan Adams was the one I was thinking of. Ryan, not Brian, because Ryan, Ryan got, Ryan Adams Ryan got of, called out for being rapey, for being rapey. Brian Adams got called out for being really? racist. Oh, I had no idea. I had oh, no yeah. idea. Oh, he went. He showed his ass. Uh, he made like some post about um, his tour getting canceled and like said some very not nice things about um, the people who. I don't even know. Like he, 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 he really didn't. He summer of 69 is over. 
Yeah, I, over for a little while. I have no, I do not track Brian Adams' career. Ryan Adams was the one I was, I was thinking of. It was kind of, I don't know, I, don't, I think it's rapey. I don't know what to call him, but creepy at the very most, but definitely some weird allusions to his uh, awkward weirdness and mean things he might have done to women. I don't know what I'm talking about. All I can tell you about Hambo is I, I'm steering it back. I'm steering it anywhere I have to. All I can tell you is that I enjoyed this album. Uh, I was looking forward to it. I have heard Frank Turner's songs. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not being an idiot here. I just don't know much about him, uh, but there's no way you can be into punk rock, especially dad, dad rock nowadays and not know people like Frank Turner and, Tim Barry and 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 David House. Like I don't know where I pulled that out of my ass, but I couldn't remember fucking Ryan Adams. But uh, I enjoyed this because look, Rancid and No Effects, they go together. Like it's not a weird thing. Like you could see Peanut them butter covering, and jelly. Yeah, Pennywise and Bad Religion. I could see it happening. I could see them covering each other's songs. Like it makes sense. Uh, but or was it Pennywise and the Offspring? I think it was Pennywise and the Offspring. Pennywise, I think, opened up on the Smash thing. I remember anymore. Whatever. Those bands all like. It's not shocking to see them do something like this. Yeah. No fix of Frank Turner. It's weird. Like Fat Mike is not the most talented musician. But he's a very catchy songwriter. He's a great punk rocker. But I would never have called him particularly. You know, he he doesn't have range. I mean, there's no way around it. The joke about No Effects was, you know, every band on Fat Records sounds like No Effects. And no effect sounds like no effects every single time. Uh, in yeah. this case, you know, they are trying to do something a little bit different. They picked someone completely far removed from what their sound is. And I thought they did a very good job covering his stuff. And I thought he did a very good job taking a new slant on no effects songs. We're never going to hear a no effects acoustic album. Can pretty much guarantee it. So this is the closest thing you're going to get to it. And it's done very, very well. Bob, great example. I mean, he slowed that song down to a crawl, but it's not boring. Yeah, I think this is also the first thing NoFX has done since they got heat for making the MASH shooter comment uh, and got suddenly dropped and canceled from all the festivals and shows that they were going to play for that one tour. So this is a nice big step back out into the light for NoFX. And to come out with this now is, I think, very, like, I think I would say necessary for them. Uh, so I don't know. It's NoFX. The thing with NoFX is I feel NoFX... A can get away with murder and and they largely do, but it's just Fat Mike gives so little shits. Like, I don't even think he even like I'd hate to be his PR person, A. B, mm. I just don't think he even understands why what he does is so and we've talked about I think God we've been doing this show for so long. I'm pretty sure we reviewed the No Effects book very early on in our show, probably in the first hundred episodes. And that was sure. a full, like, he's done way worse than what he said in, in Las Vegas and not giving a shit. I don't think anything, pre I mean, look, he's the CEO of one of the largest, if not the largest independent record labels in the world and doesn't really give a shit about anything. I'd hate to be his PR guy. Just saying. Well, yeah, but I mean, this is the first time they've really showed their face in two years, though. So I think that's like, uh, it's, a, it's a step. Was, I can't believe that was only 2018. That is yeah. kind of weird. Uh, but... You know, you still hear them so much. Like, it's not like there was a boycott. Like, fucking Sirius XM loves No Effects. Uh, what is your favorite No Effects record? My favorite No Effects record uh, is White Trash. You, uh, I just want you to say I, I'm very proud of you because you chose correctly. That is the only correct answer. Uh, yeah. Second only to the album afterwards, which was also very good with linoleum on it. Uh, but I feel like White Trash is the, I could still put it on to this day and love it. I think it's because 
they didn't like they 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 were very cheesy for a while and you know they i feel like white trash kind of was like we want to take ourselves a little bit seriously and we want to talk we just want to like step up the like it's a heavy album like i feel like it is definitely like as far as as heavy punk rock goes that was their closest thing they have to like you know i want to say melodic hardcore but like that was a heavy album those riffs and like sticking in my eye and those first few songs on there are incredibly heavy for no effects and then they came back with you know a very uh very accessible punk rock album uh with the with their follow-up to it which helped me out there what's the name of it this is where it's I'm a punk and drublick punk and drublick very good album too but white trash is both what i felt what the, the gateway for me into no effects and one of their if not their best album ever so i think you'll agree with this analogy i'm about to make white trash for no effects was essentially let it be for the replacements where you have a band that was very much kind of known for like one thing and they make this record that kind of helps them kind of shed that old skin and start building towards a new more accessible band and then at the same time like they got like one foot in both worlds and i kind of feel like that was white trash for no effects because you're right the next episode was a much more accessible record with punk and droplic and then obviously you know they they still kept their toe in it because they released what how many years later did they release uh heavy petting zoo or it was well, that the, was the dude, worst album ever made it was terrible but like they still kind of kept the comedy but they really started steering themselves to be i don't want to say more of a serious band but comparatively more of a serious band and i think that their their let it be was white trash so they had like a foot in both worlds uh i don't think they released another good album until war on errorism and that was a, quite a while later, even though I think I like Coaster, but I don't know when that fell into the canon. But White Trash, one of my favorite albums. White Trash, Two Heaps and a Bean, definitely check it out. Hamlin, you've got three three minutes to review a Netflix show. That it, I feel like that's about how much time you need to review this. I need to. So I watched uh, this weekend, I watched Project Power on Netflix. It's one of those new big budget Netflix movies. It's got Jamie Foxx in it. It's got Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. And it stinks. And <laughs> this is a movie uh, that there is a pill going around in New Orleans that gives its users an unpredictable superpower. And you get that power for five minutes. And a teenage dealer and a local cop must team with an ex-soldier to take down the group responsible for its creation. Am I reading the description from INDB? You bet your ass I am. And so that's essentially what the movie is about. It's got poor pacing. Some of the special effects are pretty cool, but... I never really could see myself wanting to put down my phone long enough to invest in this movie. So uh, I would steer clear of it. It is on Netflix. It's a big budget movie. It's definitely in its top 10 for Netflix right now. Uh, it's number uh, one. Some other, yeah, well, there you go. Good for that. Uh, and some other time I'll, I'll go into depth that like this is the kind of movie that if it had hit theaters, it would not have done the numbers that they would have wanted. But for Netflix, it's just fine. Do so feel, uh, Project you- Power, my review. It's just fine for Netflix. Do you feel that these movies would have been straight to video? hundred percent. Yeah. I feel like I feel like they really are way more missed than hit when it comes to their action adventure movies. With the exception of maybe that superhero one we saw a couple weeks ago with Charlize Theron. Um I feel most of them just kind of suck. Or just well, super old, mediocre. The old guard I thought was great. I love the I'm old saying, guard. saying with the exception of that. I said with the exception. But yeah, I'm just trying to gather thought. Yeah, uh, but I, even that though, I mean, I don't know if it would have been a blockbuster in the movie theaters either, though. Uh, well, here's the difference. Here's the difference. It is a matter of it will never get the budget it needs 
to make it in a theater to get them to make their money back. However, if they make it on Netflix, it's the kind of movie that the money that Netflix will give it will make it better than a straight-to-video movie, which is probably what it would have been had it not been for that budget. So it's kind of like it's a good mid-card <laughs> Netflix movies are good mid-card movie. They're not going to be summer blockbusters, but people will be psyched about it, thus it being number one on Netflix. So, yeah, it's just good enough yeah, for Netflix. I, I will I will pass on it. I, for me, Netflix seems to be much more now about, oh, Shit's Creek is what we've been watching. I think that was per your recommendation. Ugh, absolutely. The best show. It takes some time to get into it, and I've realized everybody out there should go watch Shit's Creek, but just know that the, the main characters are horrible garbage people, so it takes you about like eight episodes before you really give a shit about them because they are kind of shit people, so you don't know who to root for on this, but eventually everybody gets much better and nicer, and you start to see the character development. Pretend it's Parks and Rec. I mean, that show didn't get good until like season two, so... You're there. You know, they they are. It is a show. And at first I wasn't sure if I was going to watch it because I don't like failure porn. I don't like to watch these people and try to root for them to fail, I guess I would say. It's like, you know, when people watch Shameless, you're watching it to watch people fail. Schitt's Creek is the exact opposite. Schitt's Creek is you are looking at these garbage people and you get to, over the course of six seasons, really watch them become better people and kind of become who like they're meant to be. And you find yourself rooting for them hardcore and you kind of fall in love with most of the characters so i cannot say enough wonderful things about Shit's creek it's a fantastic program does it end well oh yeah okay good i want to make sure it has a real ending before i continue to invest i'm gonna it has a real ending for sure i'm on like episode 11 also i'm in the middle of season six of adventure time and jesus hambo and like yeah i know that show that shows a really quick question was adventure time did they used to drop an episode every week or was it two episodes a week how'd that drop uh it was monday through friday in the middle of the afternoon five days a week really they would drop. yeah i mean there's hundreds of episodes yeah i know but weekly yeah weekly cartoon mm, very very interesting well i didn't because it's comedy a cartoon network i figured it might have been a different strategy such a good show such a good show i can't wait to finish it and have like entire adventure time episode and then when covid ends mean you can go get adventure time matching tattoos which is my plan oh yes 100 percent. yes yeah let's do that uh lumpy space princess for life Yo, you want? To, I will totally get a Lumpy Space Princess best friend so, tattoo with you. So I'm gonna get it. I so I'm gonna get it. We got. Right, we're do both it. getting Lumpy Space Princess tattoos. So getting you, it. You heard it, folks. It's I don't know happen. what episode it'll be because we don't know when this whole shit show is gonna end. But this dumpster fire every year will resolve with George and I getting Lumpy Space Princess best friend tattoos. Best friends forever. So good. So good. Hambone, how can the kids reach you? You can find me on the Twitter at Handbreaker. I tweet about board games. I tweet about cute animals, and I tweet about Dungeons and Dragons. You can also find my day-to-day adventures in podcasting and life over on Instagram at John Hambone McGuire. I can't promise that I'm going to post more photos, folks, but I'm trying. George, where can the people find you? You can reach me at GLK Creative on the Twitter, where I mostly talk about tech and wrestling and and everything uh, that's exciting in this world of whatever strikes my fancy, usually in the middle of the day, working from home and Twitter have now become a new, it's a weird new normal for me because now I'm just like, I will just vomit whatever weird thing comes to me during the day. And that's not a bad thing because you know what? People are in the same boat. We are, I feel like Twitter is, I, I am one of those few people in the world who uses Twitter properly, which is not just to f- see horrible people and things. I am a firm believer in culling your social posts, your social world to just be the world you want to know and the people you just want to deal with. And if you have horrible relatives who are fucking horrible, horrible people, 
just don't friend them. Call them out. Like, that's the way to go. And it'll make you a much help. I don't mean you, Hambone. I mean you as in the listener. Call your fucking shit show of a friend's network on social. Especially if you're, like, over 40. It just doesn't matter anymore. You're not going to see half these people. Uh, yeah, I deleted my Facebook. Never been happier. Yeah, yeah. But you should never let it get to the point where you need to delete it. The shitty people should <laughs> never be part of it to begin with. Call your yeah. life. Call your life. And then, again, you not being Hambone. You be everybody. Uh, Instagram, you can find me at GLK Creative. I'm trying to do Tiki Rock and Roll and Gabe. That's about where I'm at right there. But I've been doing more and more videos. I might, I got the footage of me interviewing Tony Hawk, Ambone. I think that might oh, go. Oh, yeah. I got it. You can finally see it. Uh, I got it this morning and I made a little video. I'll probably post that up tomorrow. And uh, cultofgeorge.com is where my blog is. You can find our entire archive on mytitv.com. All our old videos. One day we'll figure out how to do video again. I know. I get the, the DMs. You guys miss us on video. We'll find a way to do it. We get it. We get it. Wow, one of my cats just yelled so loud. It sounds like a child screaming. You hear that? That's a cat. I thought it was Gabe for a second. That's fucking Penelope. Fucking cat. I keep opening the door. I'm like, go. Go be free. She won't leave. Oh, I can't stand that cat. Um, <laughs> I like the other cat. Icky's much more my style. Uh, what did I say? Rate, review, subscribe. We love all of you. If you have ideas for episodes or, or thoughts or segments, you want to hear what we think about things, please let us know. Again, DM, email, whatever you want to do. Hambone, take us out. Everybody remember, wear a mask. Be nice. Aloha. Aloha.